can hear from heaven. Every time we hear from the word of the Lord, remember, God says, I have said my word to you. Okay? That means it's a word from heaven. And every time it's read, every time we talk about it, we're hearing from heaven. Amen? And so praise be to God. Today, as we are discussing the scriptures read, we have for our feet the goal of a humble heart. And that's a really good goal to have, especially this particular year, okay? Whereas we're entering the new year uh, uh, by Advent. And it's, it's good that we can realize the things that God values. Sometimes we look at things from man's point of view. What becomes important in the eyes of man sometimes becomes important to us. For, but, but sometimes what is important in the eyes of a man is not important to God. For example, today, people see importance in becoming rich, becoming successful in your endeavors, becoming uh, successful in your businesses and things like that. Okay? Now, how does God look at that? He doesn't really put much value on that. He puts value on being obedient to God. He puts more value on being humble before the Lord our God, having faith in the Lord our God. It doesn't mean that God will not help you in your businesses. It doesn't mean that He will not bless you, okay, and help you to become, uh, to move in an area of abundance and prosperity. He'll do that for you. But you need to understand what is important to God. And one of the things that is important to God is humility. Amen? It's important for us to have a humble heart. And so after hearing the different readings for today, I believe that this is a statement that kind of uh, summarizes what I believe the Holy Spirit is trying to communicate to us on this day. It's by humility and not just by need that we receive the mercy of God. It is by humility and not just by need that we receive the mercy of God. Once again, it is by humility and not just by need that we receive the mercy of God. First of all, we need to understand our God knows our needs even before we ask. Amen? And our God will not look at our needs and ignore that. Uh, in Tagalog, we can say, Hindi tayo kaya Dios. Because of his love for us, he will not ignore our needs. As a matter of fact, even before he created us, even before he created everything, according to the Holy Scriptures in the book of Timothy, it says, he gave us our salvation even before the foundation of the world. Okay? Even before he created the world. Even before he created Adam. Even before there was a man. Okay? He saw that we would fail in doing what he commanded us to Adam. He saw that we would need salvation. Okay? And so even before he created everything, he already provided salvation for us. The plan of salvation was already set in place, even as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost talk together when they were the only ones there. You understand what I'm saying? Besides, we have one of our favorite verses, Philippians 4.19. Anybody can quote that? And my God, what? Shall supply all your needs. Okay? And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. In other words, we, we normally apply that to financial needs. But there are many needs there. There are emotional needs. Okay? There are physical needs. There are relational needs. I mean, if you're single and, and you don't want to spend life alone, don't you think God is interested in your need in having a partner? Hello? Okay, I mean, really? If that's important to you, that's all that's important to God. When, when he created man, did he create Adam and Eve immediately? 
Or was there somebody first that he created? Adam, right? Right? Created in the image of God. And Adam never complained. He never said, you know, God, it's kind of lonely talking to the animals here. I'm glad I can ride a horse. I'm glad I can play with a dog. Okay, I'm glad I can swim with the dolphins. But something's missing in my life. Okay? And, and look, excuse me, I, you're God, I'm creating your image, I'm really enjoying this time of fellowship with one another. And I'm sorry to say, something's missing. Adam never complained. You understand what I'm saying? Adam never complained. It was God who said, it's not good for man to be alone. He saw the need even before Adam realized that he had a need. Amen? And he provided for that need. Took from his side and created woman. Okay? So when it comes to needs, the Father knows our needs even before we ask. And the Father provides for our needs. One of the things that uh, the book of Hebrews tells us, especially in chapter 4, he says, come boldly before the throne of grace. Why? That you might find mercy and find grace to help. That you might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. In other words, before your need became a need to you. In other words, before your need became something urgent, God already saw it and made provision for it. It is found in the throne of grace. You understand what I'm saying? So our God is a God who needs our needs. Okay? But we need to understand what He gives to us because we need that, we also have to receive. Do you understand what I'm saying? For example, God has given us grace. Okay? And one of the grace that God has given us is the grace of forgiveness. How many of us sin every now and then? How many of us sin all the time? How many of us never sin? If you raise your hand, that's probably your first. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? We, I mean, we hear what it's saying here. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. In thought, word, and deed. I mean, we might not have done anything wrong physically, but have we ever criticized somebody in our mind? Have we ever put down somebody in our mind? Okay? We just sit there. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, Jesus Christ says, he who is angry at his brother commits murder in his heart. Okay? I mean, the standards are so high. And there's just simply no way for us to be able to fulfill all the standards of God. Right? There's simply no way for us to be holy enough, to be perfect enough, in order to make our way to heaven, to go into the presence of God. No way. Amen? And so, because we couldn't reach Him, God reached down to us. God sent His Son, Jesus, to live the life that He expected from us, but a life that we could not live. Jesus lived a life of perfection. Jesus lived a life of perfect obedience and submission to the Father. According to the Holy Scriptures, Jesus was assaulted with the same kind of temptations all of us are assaulted with, but he never gave in to one of them in, in thought, in word, and in deed. Perfect obedience. Okay? He lived the life that we should have lived. Perfect obedience before God. And after having lived the life that we should have lived, he died for our sins. Why was he crucified on the cross? Because he sinned, though. Jesus Christ never sinned. According to the Holy Scriptures, he bore our sins. He was paying the price you and I were supposed to have paid. 
We couldn't die for our sins. We couldn't get forgiveness dying for our sins. Okay? Because we don't have perfect lives. Only He did. And so He died for us. And then He suffered our punishment. And then He rose from the grave. And God says, all you have to do is have faith in Jesus Christ. He provided for our need, but we have to receive that by faith. You understand what I'm saying? What God has given because we have a need, we have to receive. Amen? It's like I have a pitcher of water and you have a glass. Okay? As long as the glass is open, it's not full, I can pour water into that. You will be receiving what I'm giving. If you put a cover on top of the glass, I can keep pouring water or juice or four seasons. <laughs> Okay, I can keep on pouring and pouring and pouring, but as long as you've got a cover on your glass, you will not receive. And you cannot say, how come you're not giving me anything? I'm just trying to give you everything. Okay, see, I'm giving, but you need to receive what I'm giving. It is the same thing with God. He saw our need and provided for our need. Amen? But then, we need to receive what God has given to us. Because God saw that we needed mercy, He provided mercy. But we receive the mercy of God by humility. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, what was the first message? What was the first sermon that Jesus Christ preached after He was baptized by the Holy Spirit? The very first sermon, the very first homily. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, he's saying, the kingdom of God is here. I have brought it to you. It is at hand. It's no longer out of reach. It is at hand. I'm, I've given it. I'm bringing it here. God has given it here. But you need to receive it. And how do you receive that? Repent. You must turn to it. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? There must be a response from us. God has given us mercy. And you do not receive mercy if you do not have humility. It might be a need in your life. But just because it's a need in your life, and even though God has given it, if we do not humble ourselves before the Lord our God, we do not receive it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay? So, let me just read the scripture once again. And let me find out your reactions to this. Okay? Uh, let me read the story. There was, in a certain city, a judge... That was last week's. Let me read this week's. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collectors. I fast twice a week. I give my tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven and ears and, and, and beat his breast and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, the tax collector, went down to his house justified rather than behind. Okay, let me just stop here for a while. And let me gauge your reaction. How did you feel about the story? How many of you, how many of you found the story funny? Nobody. How many of you found the story sad? No. There's no, you know, if you, I'm not going to say, okay, that's the wrong answer. Go out, go to him. No, I'm not going to do that, all right? I just want to find out what your honest reaction is to the story. So you did not find it funny. You did not find it sad. How many of you just say, it's okay. I'm just neutral about it. Nothing. How many of you felt angry when you heard it? How many of you here are zombies? Okay? 
You're supposed to be resurrected people. All right? How many of you did not feel that again? How many of you will never raise your hand, no matter what I do? Okay? See, there's a reason why I'm trying to gauge what your reaction to this story is, okay? See, uh, in verse 9, I didn't read that, but Jesus Christ says, also he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. I like it when it's the Holy Spirit makes sure this is the point of this parable. I mean, there are parables, you read them and you kind of wonder, what's he talking about? See, we know that the parable is a story, okay, uh, based on natural circumstances, something that we see in ordinary life. But it's not just talking about reality shows or day-to-day -day living. It is a story that points out a spiritual truth that God wants us to learn. In other words, God is, through these parables, are showing us the things that are important to Him. Understand, we're supposed to be on our way to heaven, right? God is teaching us right now how to behave so that when we go there, okay, we won't have so much of a culture shock. Hello? Okay? And, you know, it's, it's like the parable last week. I mean, you don't have to guess what the point of the parable is. It says, last week's parable, he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Okay, you don't have to guess what it's all about. I like it when it's, it's there. He tells us immediately what the point of the parable is. Then, also here, he tells us what the point of the parable is also. It is a parable against those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. And then when he gave the story, and you know, when, when he talked about the Pharisee praying and, and the tax collector praying, and then he came out with a react with a with a reaction from heaven, God heard the prayer of the tax collector more than he heard the prayer of the Pharisee. Maybe that doesn't mean anything to us because we're not familiar with the culture of the Jew, with their culture at that time. So, I took the liberty of uh, paraphrasing the story of Jesus. Okay? Understand, I am not twisting or changing the word of God. Okay? Uh, I'm not trying to take out anything from this because I do not want my inheritance in the kingdom of God to be taken away. I'm not adding to this because I do not want the tor additional torments if I, take, take, uh, if, I, if I twist the word of God. But what I'm trying to do is translate it to our present situation. Something that we can understand. Okay, so let me paraphrase. This is a contemporary, temporary revision. <laughs> of this biblical passage. And Jesus told them a parable and said, Two men went up to the cathedral to pray, one a bishop and the other a drug user. The bishop stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, I'm not like biased judges, corrupt public officials, deceitful lawyers, or even that guy behind me, that drug user. Why, I go to church more than anyone in the office of prayer, the midweek fellowships, the vision, the vigils, and most especially the Eucharist that we celebrate. And Lord, by the way, if I'm not celebrating it here, and I'm celebrating it somewhere in the world, whether in Manila, in America, in Europe, in Asia, or even in Africa. I give more than just my tithes of all that I possess. I have helped so many people, not just here in my diocese, but also in the other dioceses, not just in our denomination, 
but also in the other churches and denominations as well. Not just my Kamabayans, but also the other people in different parts of the world. And the drug user standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And I tell you, this drug user went down to his house justified rather than the bishop who was in front of him. Does that put it in context for you? Now, you will find that shocking, right? Because if you find a bishop praying, you would think, okay, that guy's got it made. I'm sure God will hear his prayer quicker than the other guy because that guy's a drug user. Okay? He's probably not just a drug user, he's probably influenced some of his friends to use the same drugs he's using. He's probably, at one point in time, just to raise money for his drug habit, probably sold drugs also, so he's not someone that God will esteem in heaven. So, you know, just by looking at appearances, I'm sure God will hear the bishop, and God would not even acknowledge the drug user. Normally, that's how we judge, right? We judge by appearances. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? But then, when Jesus Christ comes to the conclusion, that guy, the tax collector, or that guy, the drug user, was heard in heaven, and he was justified because he was forgiven by God more than the bishop. We would be shocked. Do you understand what I'm saying? We would be shocked. It would go against everything we've ever learned. But really, the thing is, did we really learn something from God? Because God is pointing out something to us in this particular parable. Amen? See, you need to understand, at that point in time, the Pharisees supposedly were the religious leaders of the day. They were supposed to be the ones who stood for everything that God stands for. Okay? They were supposed to be the spiritual guardians, the spiritual mentors. The people who would not just teach the people about God, they were supposed to be the ones who were really practitioners, okay? And normally Jesus Christ would come against, not all the Pharisees were bad, you have to understand what I mean. Many of them were really sincere in what they're doing, except that they didn't really understand everything. St. Paul, who had all the Christians, uh, he tried to eradicate I mean, he separated families. He imprisoned them. He was not just content in going from house to house. He wanted to go to another barangay. He wanted to go to another town. He wanted to go into another municipality. And he was asking letters of permission if he could go to the other barangays and towns and municipalities so that he can find all the Christians and imprison them. Okay? Did he hate God? No, he did not. He loved God with a zeal, but he did not love him. Uh, uh, he did not know, he did not understand as fully. And so on the way, while he was on, on the way to Damascus, Jesus Christ appeared to him, you know, with a flash, with a blinding light, fell down, and he became blind. And, you know, while he was there, Jesus Christ says, you, you can't do that, Saul. You can't kick against the goats. And he says, look, who are you, sir? I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Jesus understood. He, he didn't really understand what he was doing. See, that's how merciful God is to us. Hello? See, he's merciful towards us. And he gave Paul a chance. He didn't understand. And later on, Saul became Paul. And he wrote like one-third of the New Testament. In his, according to the book of Acts, the whole of Asia was evangelized because of him. He had the same zeal when he was Saul, but the same zeal again, so he also had it after he got converted, but now he was using it the right way. Okay? So the Pharisees, in the eyes of the people, were holy. 
The Pharisees in the eyes of the people were the ones who can touch God. The Pharisees in the eyes of the people were the ones that God listened to. They might think, you know, maybe uh, if I go to a Pharisee, I'd say, would you pray for me? Okay. Because they're thinking, it is better that he prays for me because that prayer has a better chance of being answered than if I will be praying for myself. Okay? Sometimes there are some people like that also. Bishop, would you pray for me? Sure, I pray for you. But I would tell them, you need to pray for yourself also. Obviously, you know, your prayers get more leeway in heaven than mine. That's not true. God doesn't answer my prayers because I'm a bishop. God answers my prayers because I choose to believe Him. You understand what I'm saying? You do not have to be a bishop in order to believe in God. Let me say this. If you believe what God is saying, your prayers are just as powerful as mine are. Amen? You need to understand that, church. But during this particular time, they were thinking the Pharisees, the guy to go to, if you've got a desperate need and you really, 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 really want God to intervene, you need to go to the Pharisee because he stood for everything that God stood for. Okay? They would not go to the tax collector but because as far as they were concerned, tax collectors were traitors. Okay? They were working for Rome and Rome was the one who enslaved them or occupied them. Okay? And tax collectors, like let's say you're going to collect taxes and the tax is 100 pesos. If he collects 100 pesos, he has to remit 100 pesos back to the Romans. So how does he make his money? He doesn't get a commission. He puts something on top. Okay? So if I'm going to collect 100 pesos tax from you, and I want to make money out of this, I add something. So maybe some of them add another 100. Your tax is 200. So the people think you're making our lives harder. We're already under the Romans, and they're taxing us. They should have no right to tax us, but they're taxing us, and you're working for them, and now you're adding something. You're doubling our taxes. So in the eyes of the Jews, tax collectors were traitors. Okay? As far as they were concerned, God saw them as dogs, and they would not even merit the attention of God. So for them, they had a choice between choosing a Pharisee, and they know that he was a little corrupt, and, 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 and a tax collector, they would always choose the Pharisee. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? Uh, but, but we need to understand that you can advance spiritually you can advance spiritually as you submit to God. Okay? Your faith can increase to such a degree that it can be a mountain-moving kind of faith. You understand what I'm saying? The Bible says God gives us a measure of faith. Everyone is given a measure of faith. Okay? However, if we use that measure of faith and continually feed it by the Word of God, it's going to increase. It's like the palace. One person was given five. At the end of time, when he faced the Lord for an accounting, he says, Lord, here is ten. You gave me five, but it increased to ten. So there is a law of increase there. God starts us out with a measure of faith. Okay? I, I don't know exactly how much God gives you, but He gives us a measure of faith. Now, what we do with that faith will determine whether it will increase or not. If you happen to be one of those who increase your faith, that you can move mountains with your faith, be careful that you do not become critical of others who are struggling with their faith. Hello? Okay, I, I've, I've heard people say, well, you know what? That person, that person is having those problems because he doesn't have faith. Only he would use his faith that he's not going to have those problems. Who are you to call that person like that? Did you not start the same way? Did you not struggle with faith the same way? Hello? Or maybe in the beginning. How many of you in the beginning did not know how to make your prayers work? 
We all wanted to attend a, a prayer seminar. We learned about the prayer of agreement. We learned about uh, corporate prayer. We learned about the prayer of, of submission. We learned about uh, the prayer of faith. Okay? In the beginning, we didn't know how to work that. But somehow, as we continue to learn, and as we continue to use what we've learned, we've increased in prayer to the point that we've got testimonies of miracles, signs, and wonders of prayers being answered in our lives and in the lives of others simply because we prayed, right? Right? We even formed a group, the JP3. When you've come to the point that you know how to touch God, that you know how to pray, and you make things move and happen on the earth, be careful you do not become critical of other people who are still struggling with prayer. Okay? Just because we advance in all of these things does not make us superior to others. Are you hearing me loud and clear? Or maybe in the beginning, you, you were having difficulties making ends meet. I know how it, how it was in the beginning when I had to pray to God in the evening for what we're going to eat the next day because there was absolutely nothing. Okay? That we had. I know how that felt. I know how it felt like we had to do our groceries, but we had nothing. And we prayed to God and, you know, we don't know what to do. But because we were able to watch a portion of John and Marsha. And uh, that scene from Matutina kind of latched onto our memory, you know. Why don't we look under the sofa? Maybe there's some kind of money there. And you know what? We would always find something. I don't know who put it there. Well, God did, I know how he did that. But we would always find something. That's that's the way we uh, that's the way we uh, put our faith into practice by looking under the sofa, looking at the chairs. We would find something. Okay? And it would like get us by for the next two or three days, then we pray again. I know how that felt. Okay? But I also know that when you begin to practice the principles of God consistently, not just when you're in the mood, the blessings begin to come and it begins to affect your financial status. Okay, maybe you're not a millionaire, but at least now you're not looking under chairs to find out where you're going to buy your next meal. Because now you're getting something. It begins to flow. Now you're moving in the flow of abundance. You're beginning to, to flow in, in, in prosperity, right? When you are moving in an area of prosperity and abundance, be careful you do not criticize those who are still struggling and say, if they only had faith, they would not be poor. If they only did this, then they would not have life in their lives. They must have sin in their lives. That's the reason why they're always poor. Be careful that you do not criticize others who are struggling now the same way you struggled in the beginning, but you forgot. See, the blessings of God can come into your life and you get to that point, okay, where you're so blessed you forget the days of struggle. Okay? I remember going to church. I'm going to tell you where it is. But there was a lady there who had some children. I don't know what uh, if, if, if she had the children out of wedlock or the husband left her or something like that. But she came to church, she had a troubled life. But as she came to church and she started learning about the principles of God, God started blessing her and things began to come into order. So now she was walking the blessings of God. She's not particularly rich, but she wasn't as poor as she was before. And then one day, there was a woman who came into the church. She was a prostitute. Okay? 
And you would think that this other woman, whose life, whose life was touched by God because of the blessings of God, and now it's coming into order, you would think that she would have the understanding and, and, and say to the prostitute, you know what, I have trouble pastor. Just come to church. Because if the woman, the prostitute, came to the church and she was feeling kind of ashamed, uh, she was feeling kind of, wow, I'm in the middle of holy people and the only sinful uh, a girl here. I'm a bad girl. Maybe I don't belong here. You understand what I'm saying? When people come to the presence of holiness and there's something wrong with your life, you kind of feel uncomfortable. You would think that this, this lady, whose life God has touched, would comfort the prostitute and say, God is merciful. God will help you the same way he helped you. If you come to God, he'll forgive you. God forgive God will also forgive you. I don't think that she would say something like that, right? But that prostitute never came back again the next Sunday. And I found out later the reason why. Because this lady said to the prophet, you know what? You're ashamed to our church. Don't come back again. <clears throat> That's so hard. You are a recipient of grace and you cannot extend grace to somebody else. You are a recipient of mercy, and you cannot extend mercy to somebody else? That is offensive in the eyes of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay? Because, let me say it this way, you can advance in everything. But how did you advance in faith? How did you advance in prayer? How did you advance in abundance and prosperity? Was it because you had a higher IQ? Because if you have, then you should have done that before you came to church, right? Right? Was it because you were so good that you could do that? No. The only reason you were able to advance was because you relied on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had to teach you. You had to rely on the teachings that were coming forth from God. You had to rely on the Holy Spirit to give you revelation. Remember when Jesus Christ was telling, asking the son, who do the people say that I am? And St. Peter came up with the answer, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus Christ did not say, Peter, you're such a genius. That's not what he said. Peter, you could not have said that if my father had not revealed that to you. In other words, Peter, you had outside him. There was no way for you to have been able to find that out if not for the help that you receive from above. We advance in the faith because of the help we receive from above. We advance in prayer because of the help that we receive from above. We advance in abundance because of the faith of, of the help that we receive from above. How can we act like we did it for our own? And measure ourselves against others who are still not there in our mind. Hello? See, that's what's wrong with this Pharisee, okay? That's what's wrong with the bishop who prayed that way, okay? He was boasting before the Lord our God. And oh, by the way, the first thought I'd like to share with you, I'm already preaching on it. Verse 9 to 12 is we cannot boast of our accomplishments before God. We cannot boast of our accomplishments before God. How did we accomplish that? By our own skill? By our own genius? By our own strength? Okay? I mean, there was a guy. He was one of the famous kings before. And he saw everything that he did. And he boasted that he was such a great king. What happened? God took away his intelligence. For the next seven years, he acted like an animal. You, you understand what I'm saying here? Okay? Whatever we did and we succeeded in, never think that it's because of our own skill or genius or strength that we did it. Somehow, one way or the other, we receive help from above. Okay, this is one of the warnings that God said uh, to, 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 the, to the Israelites before they crossed to the Promised Land. They were on the verge of crossing. 
And the book of Deuteronomy came out. And God said to them, be careful that after you have crossed into the promised land and you are living in houses that you did not build, you are harvesting from vineyards you did not build. And when your stomach is full and you are at rest, that you forget the Lord our God. Understand, it is the Lord who has given you the power to get wealth. You understand what I'm saying? God is not against your success. He will make you as successful as you desire, as long as you look to Him and acknowledge Him. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, you know, He'll give you more gold if He understands and He knows gold will never steal your heart from you. Remember what Jesus Christ says? Seek ye first what? The kingdom of God and His righteousness. And what? All these things will be added to you. God is not against you possessing possessions. God is against possessions possessing you. You understand what I'm saying? You need to understand that, church. If God knows that your heart will never be stolen from Him, you can ask whatever you want, sky's the limit. Give it to you. You understand what I'm saying? And when he gives that to you, don't judge others who do not have. As a matter of fact, help them. Amen? Help them. Okay? So we need to understand that church. Uh, we need to understand what God, that God values you. The reason why the Pharisees' prayers did not get answered is he was not humble before the Lord our God. He was boasting about his achievements. Like it was because of his skill that he did that. No, he didn't do it. And God was not. I mean, think about it. These guys saying, "I tithe, I fast twice a week." Yeah, they were only required to fast once a year during the uh, during the feast of atonement. But he does it twice, twice, twice a month, uh, twice a week. So he's doing more than what was required of him. And he was boasting to God, Lord, I do this, I tithe this, I pray this, and I do that. What did he expect God? How did he expect God to respond to him? Did he expect God to be so impressed that God would suddenly come back down again and bow down to him? Wow, I don't. We probably could impress our friends. But God, sorry. Something like that doesn't impress God. I'll tell you what impresses God. Remember? When the centurion said to send the servant to the Lord and says, Can you come to our house? Because one of the servants sick, dying. And Jesus Christ was going there. And he sent another servant and says, Lord, uh, you don't I understand you want to come to the house, but I also understand your custom. If you come to the house, you will be considered unclean. I don't want you to become unclean. You don't have to come to the house. All you have to do is just say the word and my servant will be healed. And the Bible says he was astonished. He was amazed. He was impressed. Faith impresses God. Humility impresses God. The Bible says my eyes are on the contrite and on the humble. You understand what I'm saying? But if we're proud and if we're arrogant and we're so full of ourselves, and when we come to God, instead of coming with the humble, we say, Hello, God, I'm here. Maybe that will work in Facebook. It's not going to work in God. Hello. You're getting this? You're getting this? Okay. Just wanted to know, all right? I mean, the self righteous cannot expect. The only thing that the self-righteous can expect from heaven is nothing. That's the only thing that he can expect. He became wrong when he started comparing himself with somebody else. And so, praise be to God. Let's go to the second thought. The second thought is verse 13 to 14. Our merciful Lord welcomes all who come to him with humility. 
Our merciful Lord welcomes all who come to him with humility. God is always gracious to the what? God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the what? The proud. You boast, you come to God like Muhammad Ali, I'm the greatest. Okay. Uh, you're not going to get anything from God. But if you come to God and you understand that the only reason why you can come to God is because of mercy. There's nothing that you've done so perfectly that God is so impressed that God has no choice but to welcome you in His presence. You understand that there's nothing that you can do. And you understand the only reason why you can enter in the presence of God is because of His mercy. God welcomes you. See, when we come before God, we hear the statement, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And when that goes on, we begin to realize, oh, I failed. Not just in one point, but in more than one point. And so we come to God and say, Lord, have mercy, Christ, have mercy, Lord, have mercy. I understand now, it's not because of my words that I can enter in your presence. I understand now, it's not because of what are my accomplishments, and I can worship you. I understand now it's only because of your mercy and grace that I can come to you. Lord, have mercy. And you know what? When you come to God with a humble attitude and you ask God for mercy, it is always given. That's why after that, we sing glory to God in the highest. And we enter the presence of God because we know God is faithful to his, to his promises. Amen? So here we find the tax collector understood his problem with thinking. I mean, he's in the back. He doesn't even come to the front. He stays in the back. He says, uh, he's probably thinking before that maybe that guy has a better chance of getting his prayers answered. Uh, he's, and he can't even raise his, his eyes towards heaven. So embarrassed before God. And so he says, God, I have no chance, if you're looking for good works, if you're looking for something heroic I've done for someone this week, I've been so selfish. If you're doing, if you're looking for something that is so, uh, a model of perfection that I've done, Lord, I've been thinking of myself, not thinking of others. I didn't care whether it's the right thing to do as long as it's the most pleasurable thing to do. I did it right or wrong. I have no grounds to come to you, Lord. Oh, God, I'm such a sinner. Have mercy on me. That's my only plea. That's my only request. That's the only thing I can only ask for mercy because there's nothing I can give you. Okay? Anytime you come to God with that attitude, you're in. You understand what I'm saying? He says, and the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Verse 14, I tell you, this man went down into his house justified rather than the other. And the Lord sums up, the Lord sums up the parable. He says, everyone who exalts himself, who lifts himself up, will be humbled. And everyone who humbles himself before God will be exalted. We are going to experience something that has been released from him. We are in a time of acceleration. You're going to see and experience certain signs and wonders. Many of the prayers that you have prayed in the past probably may have forgotten. Many of the things will get answered very quickly. And when they happen and you want to continue in this move that's going on right now, 
Always remember, always be humble before God. Okay? You can ride the waves from the winds of heaven. But if you do not maintain humility before the Lord, you will fall. It is better to be humble and be part of what God is doing rather than be proud and find yourself at the sidelines just watching while others are doing it. Humility is playing a very big part, especially to God, in our generation. And I believe he's allowed certain things to happen, especially, I'm sure you've heard of the announcement of the president. It's going to be us, China, Russia, against the world. Of all the partners he had to choose, he had to choose someone behind the bamboo curtain before, and someone who used to be behind the iron curtain. And people are asking, What's, what kind of future can they provide? What the U.S. is providing? Uh, we find you know, we're not really cutting diplomatic ties with them, you know, just military. And the generals are finding out and saying, well, How can we do that? Because we can't adjust the kind of weapons. It's a different philosophy. Just economic, but not diplomatic. What does that mean exactly? Even the American ambassador is asking. And how much we've got relative to the U.S.? Okay? And we're thinking, what's going to happen to us? What about people who are working, call centers, and dollar earners here in the Philippines because they're in call centers? What about that? See, we have this, and people are kind of off balance. There's a song that says, If you don't understand, you can't find his plan. You can't trace his hand. Trust God's heart. That's what we're doing right now. He's allowing the shifting to take place. The shifting will reveal the foundations of our lives. We say we trust God, we'll find out soon. Trust God, because no matter what happens, God will come through for us. Amen? How many of you learned something today? I mean today, not tonight, today. You want to learn something tonight? Ask God. Today is important. That's all.